0: Right, guys, well, welcome to Swerve Church. I'm super excited about this series, not just because of the super hype intro video—that's part of it—but it's also because I'm just super excited about what we're gonna start talking about. And I think it's a super important series, and it's a super important topic that we're gonna be talking about. And so uh, we we just came out of a four-week series called uh, about all about making decisions, right? Called "I Choose," and uh, and we were talking about making those right types of decisions. Decisions that would honor God. And then last week, you know, Barryo shared a message with us talking about, you know, how to share our faith, right? And everyone has a story, right? Everybody has a story to share. Everybody has, you know, some way that God has, God has dealt with you and what He's done in your life. And you're able to share that story uh, with others and, and let them know about, about Jesus. But today, I'm really excited about this series because we're going to be talking about all about this, what I have here in my hands, is this thing right here. We're gonna be talking about money, right? And money is such a such a touchy topic for many, right? It's very difficult. But I'm I'm super excited because I think that this series has the potential to change your life. You know, for many, it's very difficult to discuss the topic of money, especially within the context of the local church. And and part of that is for many different reasons, right? You mentioned church and money in the same sentence, and what comes to mind, right? You probably think of Creflo Dollar, right? You probably think of Joe Osteen with his shiny teeth. Or maybe you think about uh, the preachers of L.A. or the preachers of Atlanta. It's probably the first thing that comes to your mind, you know, alligator skin boots, right? You know, pulling up in a Lamborghini to church. And that's probably part of the reason why when people talk about or put the words money and church in the same sentence, it just rubs people off the wrong way. But actually, did you guys know that the Bible actually has a lot to say about your finances? In fact, I was doing some research uh, this week. And check this out. Jesus spoke a ton about about money and about finances. 16 of 38 parables dealt exactly with how we handle money and possessions. In the Gospels, 1 out of 10 verses deal directly with the subject of money. In the Bible, there's 500 verses on prayer. There's a little bit less than 500 verses on faith. But there are over 2,000 verses that deal directly with money and possessions. So, do you think the Bible has something to say about it when it comes to this topic? I think so. Because there's so many verses, there's so much on it. But listen, I know how touchy of a topic this is, okay? I, I know how touchy of a topic this could be for some, and it is for several reasons, right? Here's a couple of reasons that I can think of. You can probably think of a million more. I just thought about these four reasons why it's a touchy topic. Number one, if you make too much, right? If you're well off, or if you have a good amount of money, then, then, what's going to come to your mind, man? I earned this money. This is my money. Don't tell me what to do with my money, right? I earned this. I work for it. It's my sweat, my toil, my tears that I put in to get what I have. And if you're pretty well off, uh, then, 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 this is probably an, an issue that you're going to have with the topic. Another reason is you might find it as a touchy subject. subject is if you have too little like, Danny, don't come and talk to me about money. I don't have any. I don't have a large savings account. I don't make a lot of money at work. And, and, you know, you don't, you don't know the bills that I have to pay. You don't know how much, how much goes out from, from my wallet. And so it might be a touchy topic if you think you make too little. By the way, uh, more people think they make too little than they make too much. And I think part of that is because, you know, a little bit more is always better. And then when you get it, a little bit more is better right so i think that's part of the reason we'll talk about that more a little bit later number three why this might be a touchy topic it's because the church wants your money right you just think man, the church wants my money they're always talking about money because they want all my money because they want it and because they you know the pastor wants to raise or because they want to put a new roof on the, on the on the on the building or whatever the case is and so part of the reason it's a touchy topic is because the church wants your money by the way that's not true, okay? We don't want your money. We talk about that more as well. Here's number four, and here's one that I bet you guys won't admit. Number four, why is this a touchy topic for many? Is because money's a little g-god. It's a little g-god. You sacrifice to it, you give to it, you long for it, you dream about it, you live for it. And for many of us, uh, money is a little g-god. And when we start talking about your little g-god, you get sensitive, right? And you get touchy. So that might be you, while you're here today, one of those four reasons as to why this is a touchy topic. But let me help you today, okay? The church doesn't want your money, all right, just so that, you know, you can accumulate more stuff. Nobody wants your money here, and that's not what this series is about. So you can let your guards down, okay? You can put your guards way down. Now, by way of illustration, when you came in, you should have received one of these. If you didn't, uh, maybe burials. If somebody doesn't, you can give it to them, all right? But if you did, you got a little bag right here with two Skittles, Okay? I'm going to talk about this in just a second, uh, but you know you know what I love as far as candy goes? I love Butterfingers. Anyone like Butterfingers? Yeah, I, I love it. I, I really like Butterfingers. I, I, I know. Other people prefer like, you know, your Snickers and, and stuff like that. I like Butterfingers. I don't know why. Something about, something about it, the crunchiness, the flakiness, the peanut buttery, the peanut butteriness. I don't know. If that's, that's not a word, but I love but You know what's better than one Butterfinger? You know what's better? Two Butterfingers, that's right. Uh, two Butterfingers is way is way better, you know. In fact, wasn't that the wasn't that the whole marketing shtick? You guys remember uh, Twix, right? What, what was what was the saying? You guys remember the saying in the commercial? You guys remember two for me, none for you? You guys remember the commercials? Two for me, none. That was the whole marketing shtick. Wait with Twix, they were marketing. Hey, yeah, you got your one Butterfinger, you got your one Snickers, and guess what? We got two Twix. And they're all for me, it's not for you, right? right? It's not to share. And that was, the whole, that was the whole marketing advertising for Twix was two for me, none for you. They marketed the whole thing around that. You know, same thing with what you have in your hands. Now, you guys can go ahead, you can open it, all right? If you were able to keep yourself from eating it already when you came in. If you did, it's, it's okay, nobody's judging you. All right, but take one, why don't you go ahead, take one Skittle, you can, you can take it, put it in your mouth, all right, taste it, mm-hmm. Taste um mm. I'm drooling a little bit, hold on. Mm. Taste the fruitiness, taste, taste the sweetness. Mmm. It, it's hard it's hard to talk when you're salivating. Okay. Can you can you taste that? I'll say we're not marketing We are not marketing, no, they didn't pay me to advertise this. But but yeah, you do you taste the sweet sugary flavor? Now, do you know what's better than one Skittle? Two Skittles. So go ahead. You guys can enjoy that second Skittle. I know, I know you guys want it, right? I'm not, I'm not going to do that to you guys. You eat one and you know your saliva is all coming out and everything because you want to eat that second one. Go ahead. Take that second one. Doesn't that taste good? Go ahead. Scarf it down. Enjoy it. All right, But, but isn't this what we've believed in one way or another all our lives? We've bought into this phrase. Think about it. If $1 is good, $2 is better, right? If one car is good, think about it. Two cars is better, right? And on and on it goes with everything that you can think about, we can say that. What do you need more of? You need more, we always need more money, we always need more clothes, we always need more toys, more trinkets, more gadgets, more stuff, more, 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 more. One is not enough. We always we've always bought into this, this phrase that we need more. Now let me ask you guys a question. you guys ever eat waffle crisp? You guys ever eat this cereal before? waffle crisp? man, I remember when it first came out, all right i was I was young and uh, and I loved it. You know, this is like you know, a waffle and a syrup and a cereal, all right? Everything that's wonderful in this world <laughs> in a cereal, right? And I remember when it came out. I loved this. I, I really loved this cereal. I, I don't know. do you remember that, mommy, No, right? I, I love the cereal, but check this out. So one day, Right, my grandparents, you know you know how grandparents are horrible, right? Because they get the grandkids and they give them everything that they want, right? And I went to my grandma's house and guess what she gave me? She gave me waffle crisps. <laughs> she had a whole, she had a brand new box. And so I opened it up. One plate was good, but guess what? One place, one, two plates was better. But guess what? One box was good, but what? Two boxes is better, right? And of course, grandma doesn't care. I'm just eating everything that's there. And I'm just eating. I ate the whole box of Waffle Crisp. And I remember, man, but you know what happened after I ate that whole box? Oh, my goodness. All of a sudden, the smell of waffle and syrups, all of the the cereal, all of a sudden, it smelled nasty to me. What happened was I ended up having too much. I ended up eating too much. To this day, I can't stand this box. You you open this box, I can't stand the smell. And it's all because that day, I just kept eating, kept eating. And I just ate the nonstop. And so it, to this day, it affects me. You know, but I think, I think that's what we think of. You know, that's what we think we need. You know, one plate of waffle crisp is not enough. And buy that's just illustration, right? But in life, you know, we need more, right? We need more. It's what we believe constantly. In fact, think about this for a second. Isn't this essentially what Satan told Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden? If you remember, Adam and Eve, they're in paradise, right? They have everything they could ever ask for. Everything that they could ever need. The only thing they could not do was what? Eat from that forbidden tree. You guys remember that? They just that's you can do whatever you want, guys. Go ahead. This this is all yours. Paradise is yours. Just don't eat from this tree. Don't eat from the forbidden trees. But what what does Satan say? You you're surely not gonna die. You know, if you eat of this tree, you know, you, you're gonna be like God. Right? Essentially what he said is is you know, if one apple is good, then Two apples are better, right? If spending eternity with God is good, being God is better, and that's essentially the lie that 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 Satan through the serpent fed Adam and Eve, and since then we've believed this lie, right? And if we're honest, much of our much of this thinking it bleeds into our finances. If you think about it, we need more. We need more. Now. Here's an interesting verse from the Bible that actually teaches us the opposite. You have it there in your notes. So if you have your notes, take them out. This is so that you can underline and everything write on the notes. And you can look it over, pray over the message notes during the week. Here's the verse that we're going to be looking and focusing in on for the most part of today. It's Ecclesiastes chapter 4 verse 6. You have it in your notes. Why don't we read this together? Since this is our main main verse for today, let's read it in a nice loud voice. Ready? Read. Better one handful with tranquility than two handfuls with toil and chasing after the wind. Better is one handful with tranquility. Why don't you guys underline the first part of that phrase. Essentially, here's what the verse is saying. that It's saying that less is more, right? It's saying less is more. But how come is it that so often we feel that more is more? And we feel that we need More. That's what we oftentimes tend to think. Why do we often decide to pursue more? And then, in the pursuit of more, what happens? In the pursuit of more, we end up finding ourselves neck deep, in debt, unsatisfied, and you know what? Desiring even more. (coughs) Excuse me. Less is more. And here's what we want. We want less of what doesn't matter. In fact, in your notes, I've included some spaces so that you can jot down and define, you know, what does matter to you. What are those areas in life that actually do matter? So you have those spaces there. Fill it in with whatever you want to put there that really actually matters. Because what we want to do is concentrate or focus in on what does matter so that we can neglect or or leave to the side or cut out those things that don't matter. You know, for some of you, for example, you're going to put down your family. Your family is important. Right? And you want to invest in those relationships, you know, mom and dad, and or the kids, or or those that are close. Those relationships that are closer to you. For other of us, it's going to be our health. You know, something that really matters. You want to be healthy, and we want to take care of our health and what we put into our bodies, and we want to be able to live long and healthy lives. For others of us, it's our relationship with God. Actually, that might be your number one, right? Your most important things. I mean, I want I want to make sure that my relationship with God is that I want to be able to be prayed up and in my word and looking for God, right? Because that matters. For others of us, it might be a career. Now, sometimes we, we depict the career as a bad thing, right? And a career could be, but it can be a good thing as well, right? If, especially if you're doing something that you love, something that you're really good at, and something that can help you to move along in life. So what are some of those important things? Because, you see, if you're able to identify those things that truly matter, then you can focus in on them and eliminate those that do not. Now, let me ask you guys a question. What if you only had three months to live? What if that was, you, you knew three months from now, you weren't going to be alive. There's only three months left. What would truly matter to you then? You know, someone, someone started a poll on Facebook and they asked this question. What would matter to you if, if you only had three months to, to live? Here were some of the responses. They said, man, I would love to, if I only had three months to live. I would love to draw even closer to God. I wish my relationship with God was even, even better. Some, some say, I wish I would if I had three months to, to live, I would invest in those relationships that really matter. You know, those family members, those close friends. I, I would invest in those relationships. Man, if I only had three months to live, I'll make sure I spend every waking moment with my kids. And I'll spend that time with my children. You know, what about for you? Do you know what was not in their responses? What was not in their responses was, you know, if I had three months to live, I wish I, I would have more money in the bank. Or oh, I wish I would have that extra car, that new car, or that fancy house. You know, some, they didn't say, you know, I wish I had those new pairs of sneakers that just came out. Or that iPhone 7, you know, there's that, that, all the buzz right now. You know, nobody said that. A new leather sofa, a new car, more Instagram followers, or, or the greatest level on Pokemon Go. Nobody said any of those things. When they said, if we only have three months to live, you know, nobody said any of those things. You know why? I think it's because when you frame it within the context, this context, it's going to draw out of you the most important things. And if you only had three months to live, these are going to be the most important things. You're going to think of those things that truly matter. In the context of that question, all of a sudden, all the material things that we so often attempt to pursue, they just seem to not really matter. When you boil it down, I think you'd have to agree with the teachings of Jesus throughout the new testament if you can boil it down to a phrase a lot of what jesus taught about it could be summed up in this phrase your life does not consist on the abundance of possessions right your life is worth so much more so if this is true then why do we often pursue the opposite why so much of our lives seeking the more What we want to try to do throughout this message is call this out and hopefully give you resources and help towards a life of freedom and finances. In fact, this whole series is based around that. We want to try to give you some resources, try to look at God's word and see what God's word has to say about this so that it can help us in our daily lives. And here's what we're going to do for the rest of our time. I want to give you three simple things that you can begin to do in order to live a less is more style of living. These are three simple things. Listen, you can put this into practice tomorrow, right away. It is so simple, the three things that we're going to talk about. But guess what? I think they're super helpful. I know they're super simple, but I think they're super helpful if we were to put these into practice so that we can begin to implement, to live lives, right, of one handful with tranquility, okay? Here's number one, and less is more living. Number one, here's what we're going to do. We're going to cut back. Two words cut back all right this past week let's talk about it this past week Apple announced the brand spanking new iPhone 7 right and here's the funny thing if you read the blogs and the comments and and you even maybe you stream the announcement what you realize is they're actually not much new with the iPhone 7 maybe the, the biggest the biggest missing uh, the biggest change is the missing headphone jack so now you gonna have you know Bluetooth headset or whatever Wow and so there's not, as far as the design of the of the head, of the iPhone, there's not much difference. Right? But here's the thing, does it really matter? Not really, because people are gonna camp out in front of the Apple store when this they're gonna they're gonna come in droves in order to get the newest thing. And guess what it's gonna cost them? Right? It's gonna cost them around six hundred and fifty dollars and up to get a new iPhone 7. I wanna give you guys a personal example of how I Uh, put this into practice, just cut back. Uh, So as you guys know, a lot of you guys know, I was without a phone for like two weeks, right? I had an iPhone 4, I bought it three years ago, right? But three years ago, the iPhone 4 still wasn't a new phone. It was an old phone three years ago. And it lasted me all the way up until recently. And so I was using it, man, I, I wore that thing thin, okay? I wore it to the last drop, I really did. And so I had to get a new phone. And so what are your options? If you're gonna buy a new phone, you can buy the new fancy thing, you can buy the next big thing, you can wait for the iPhone 7 to drop and spend $700 on that. But you know what I did just because, because I want to try to follow this point and I want to try to live, you know, this life less is more. I went with an older model iPhone, which I know is going to be, uh, is going to be a good quality phone. The iPhones are pretty good quality, right? It's going to last me a while. But guess what? I paid the whopping price of $75 for an iPhone 4S. This is the way I put it into practice. Right? The newer phones are costing way more. But you know what? I said, I don't want to spend all this money. i got to save. I've got to be careful with how I spend my money. And so I just ended up buying you know, one of these refurbished models. And I paid very little for it. But you know what? I got, a high qual- I got a good quality phone. It's older. But it's a good quality product. And instead of spending those hundreds of dollars on a new phone, I got one for the fraction of the cost. Now, I don't say that to gloat. I just say that to give you an example of how this can be applied in our everyday lives. Now, some may argue that's overboard, Danny. You know, you're super stingy. That's way overboard. But I'm not making the case here for for not spending your money on something new. Rather, I'm questioning your motive behind the purchase. Okay? I'm questioning your motive behind the purchase. And what I'm asking you is, what is the wisest decision? What is the wisest decision? For some of you, you know, you may make the decision that, you know, I, I don't need as much stuff. I need less stuff but I need more time with friends and more investing time with, with those people and spending time with those people that really matter most. I need less stuff and I need more time with family or whatever it is. Okay, what are those things that you're going to make that wise decision? You're going to cut cut back. Number two in your notes, real quick, clear out. You're going to clear out. So, oh my goodness, let me be completely transparent with you guys. Okay, I was completely, I was, I was truthful and honest with the cutting back and how I did that. Let me tell you how I, how bad I'm at at this point. Because this is something that's extremely difficult for me. Because in a lot of ways, I'm a, I'm a hoarder and I'm a pack rat, you know. Like in a lot of ways, I like to just keep a lot of things for sure. And maybe you like me as well. Maybe you have things at home that are of sentimental value, right. I still have, I have a suit at home that I'm never going to fit into it ever, like ever. Uh, unless they build a time machine. I'm never gonna fit into the suit again, but it was a suit that my great my late great grandfather gave me, you know, who recently went with the Lord. I have it at home collecting dust. I'm never gonna fit into that thing ever, and and I just have tons of, uh, uh, tons of things like that. If I, you know, in fact, for this message, I told Melissa, you know, you gotta hold me accountable to this. This week we're gonna clear out my closet because there's clothes there that I've had since literally since I was in high school. You know, I never wear again. Some stuff in there that's new that. I just you know I just don't like the style. You know, sometimes people give you something you don't like, you're never gonna wear it, and it's just there, and maybe you can give it away to help somebody. So for this series, man, I, mean, I want to apply this message to myself and I want to clear out. You know? There's sometimes we're we're just so overwhelmed with all our stuff. It's just like when you go to a restaurant and they give you a menu, and they have all these things on the menu, they have all these options, and you're just overwhelmed with all the options on the menu. You keep telling the waiter, you know, give me another minute, give me another minute. Because there's so much stuff. What we need to do, guys, is clear out. Clear out. The way I'm going to apply this message this week is I'm going to clear out my closet and get rid of a lot of stuff, give away a lot of stuff. That's the way I'm going to clear out. How, how can you apply it in your life? How might that look in your life? Here's number three. Number three is we're going to pay off. We're going to pay off. Right. So we're going to be talking about this more during the series. Why? Because stress is bad, isn't it? And a lot of times what causes stress is debt. Right? We get into debt and then we have all this stress. And when you're up to ears, when you're up to your ears in debt, you will undoubtedly be stressed out. You know, elsewhere in scripture, it says that the borrower is slave to the lender, right? And so if we're up to our ears in debt, man, I I'm telling you, you're gonna be stressed out. Have you ever heard somebody say, you know, man, debt helps me feel such peace. I feel so peaceful with all this debt. You ever heard somebody say, man, monthly credit card payments, they're really soothing to my soul. They're really calming to my soul. Or, you know, owing people, I love it when I owe people. It just brings me a joy, right? I've never heard anybody say that. In fact, what you hear is the opposite. You end up feeling stressed, worried, with fear. And this is exactly the way so many people feel. They're overwhelmed, they're worried, and they're stressed because of the decisions they've made and the consequences of accumulating so much debt. Now, let me just address a little bit the heart issue. Here's the heart issue behind why so many go into debt. You know, I think that a lot of times the reason we go into debt is out of a sinful heart. I don't think that every opportunity or every person that gets into debt, of course, I think there's perfectly good excuses why people get into debt. For example, they buy a home, they go to school and automatically you have to get debt. And so obviously there's perfectly legitimate reasons to get into debt. But what I'm talking about is, is getting into death out of a sinful heart. Guys, you know that one of the Ten Commandments is... You, you know the Big Ten, right? You know, like, like don't murder, right? You know, don't commit adultery, don't have any other guys before me. One of the, top, one of the Big Ten is don't covet. Don't covet. And coveting means that it's to desire what somebody else has. It's desiring what somebody else has. And I think that through social media, through marketing, advertising and such... Advertis- Advertis- Advertisers have been super successful in causing you and I to break this commandment, right? To covet and to desire <clears throat> what's being advertised. I also believe that this is- what if this does is create a cycle of oppression and poverty. Allow me to elaborate and explain. So you guys know we're in Bushwick, right? We live in Bushwick. You know, I was doing research for the community. You know, once upon a time, the community came out seventh most impoverished neighborhood in New York City. Top seven, okay, most impoverished neighborhood in New York City. There's tons of poverty, there's lots of housing projects, affordable houses, right, in this community. Why? Because it's a community of need, right? And so, now what I want you to do, knowing that fact and knowing that this is a community of need in many ways, can you please explain to me, with a neighborhood of so much poverty, so much joblessness, why, when I'm driving down Knickerbocker Avenue on a Saturday morning, why is there a long line? you know coming out of Foot Locker when the new Jordans release. Can you explain that to me? Can you explain to me why there's so many people in a community with so much poverty and joblessness, why are there so many people with the brand new iPhone or or Galaxy or whatever phone that's out there? Can you tell me the brand new video game system? Why when there's a when we're in a neighborhood with so much uh, poverty and impoverishment, why do we see that? This is what I'm talking about. Part of my rant is this. You know, honestly, part of, part of this is to help you see the heart behind why so many people get into debt. If we can identify the sinful coveting issue, we should be able to address it and begin to make strides toward, towards a better tomorrow. This is why I'm nailing this so hard, guys, because we need to get below the surface. You, you don't, don't just look at the new things. Look at what's below the surface. What is the heart issue? Why are these things happening in a community like ours And I think that we as a church, Swerve Church, a brand new church in this community, I think we have part of the solution. I really think we do. Now, if we can open our Bible, if we can read God's words, and if we can see the rich wisdom that God's word teaches, we can apply these truths to our lives and begin to see transformation in our community. So that means that for those of us here that are struggling financially or have debt, if we can apply God's truths, God's word to our lives, We can begin to see God at work in our life. And guess what? That overflow, it will overflow into the community. And we can show our community God's truth and God's words. You see, the gospel addresses our very real spiritual need. You guys know this. The gospel addresses our spiritual need. The Bible teaches us that we all possess a very spiritual poverty, right? And it's all because of our sin that separates us from God. Now, God in His great love for us, He relinquishes Our spiritual poverty by what? By giving us His Son. He gives us His Son. And in essence, what He does is that He sends His Son in His richness and in His perfection to take away our spiritual poverty. And He dies in our place. He resurrects on the third day, conquering Satan's sin and death, granting us His richness, granting us His righteousness. And He restores to us our relationship with God, right? And so we know that the gospel addresses a very, a very spiritual poverty. In fact, look what 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9 says. It says this, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though He was rich, yet what? What he did He do? For your sake, He became poor, so that through His poverty, so that you, through His poverty, might become rich. Can you guys underline that phrase, for your sake, he became poor. But this is what I love about the gospel, that it offers us a more holistic restoration. Okay, guys, you know, the gospel restores our relationship to God because of our sin, Jesus dies in our place. And so we swap our, our spiritual poverty for his righteousness. But I love that it doesn't just change our relational status with God. The gospel penetrates every aspect of our lives. And if we let it, it can impact even how we view our finances. You see, the gospel says my wealth, my status, and my value is not found in my possessions. Rather, it is in who I am in Christ. My worth is found in who I am in Christ. And if it's found in that, then I don't have to accumulate more stuff to try to find value and self-worth. I don't need to submit to the standards that the world presents as how I should live. And the world tells you, no, you need to get the new iPhone. No, you need to get the new sneaker. No, you got to have more stuff. No, you got to have, if one car is good, two cars is better. The bigger house, the bigger apartment, whatever, whatever. You know, out of my status as a son of God, because of Jesus, I can live from God's approval, not from the approval of others. This is where our verse comes in, right? Ecclesiastes 4.6. Better is one handful with tranquility than two handfuls with toil and chasing after the wind. Listen, your life is way too valuable. Your calling from God is way too great. Your God is too good to waste your life on meaningless things, to accumulate more stuff. Less is more. Better is one handful and children that you love and that love you. Better is one handful and close friends, you know, and strong relationships, people that are there for you. Better is one handful and a thriving marriage, right? Better is one handful and the ability to make a difference in this community, to love and serve and show the love of Christ to the people in this community. Better is one handful and a growing passion for Jesus and a desire to accomplish His passions and His purposes for your life. For many of us, we've heard and we've accepted the life-changing message of the gospel of Jesus. You've heard it, that He takes away your sins. But perhaps this is an area of our lives that we have not permitted or we have not seen how the gospel could penetrate the area of our finances. We're going to pray in a moment that God would show us how to do this. For others of you, perhaps you haven't made that decision to follow Jesus. And I just want to take a moment to invite you to follow Him today. And you do that real simple by confessing Him as Lord and Savior of your life. Acknowledging that you are a sinner in desperate need of His salvation. You acknowledge Him. You confess your sin to Him. You believe in your heart. Right where you are, you make that decision. Guys, today, allow the gospel definitely to swap out your spiritual poverty. But also allow the gospel to pull out where you're finding your self-worth and your value in material possessions rather than who you are as a son or daughter in Christ. Would you guys join me in prayer? God, we know that there's a lot of clutter and there's a lot of noise in our lives. I'm, I'm number one in that to admit it, God. There are things that we need to get rid of. Would you show us, God, you know where we can declutter those areas in our lives. Would you show it to us, God? We repent of our sin of coveting. As we look at what they advertise on TV and online, and we end up coveting what other people have. God, we repent of our sin of coveting. Help us to get rid of that noise and allow us and allow Jesus to restore our self-worth. Our value, God, does not come from our accumulation of things. Rather, it comes from you. God, we thank you for a sermon series like this, that we can see your gospel in action. Lord, not only obviously, Lord, in the most important thing, restoring our relationship to you, but God, to be able to see how the gospel can even help us live this out in our everyday walk, uh, Lord, even in our finances. And so God, we thank you, Lord. And we give you thanks and we give you praise. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.